Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is director Brandon Dermer, and we're going to be talking about I'm Totally Fine. <laughs> Welcome to hey, the show. It- <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, this is a fun movie. I I Thank really you. thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's a real interesting concept that you came up with here, and a wonderful actresses. So we're going to get da- do a deep dive into I'm Totally Fine. So our listeners know a little bit about this film. Why don't you uh, give us a synopsis, Brandon? The film is about a woman in mourning, uh, Vanessa, who decides to take a self-care trip out to a house in Temecula, mourning the death of her best friend, only to find that there is an alien in the house claiming to be a version of her best friend. <laughs> really? I mean, you kind of got to go, where did you come up with this idea? <laughs> it's It was spawned um, in the midst of 2020, um, dealing with the uncertainty of life. You know, life is uncertain as is. Um, nothing is promised to us. And in 2020, it felt like that cranked up to 11. Every single day was uncertain on so many different levels and my anxieties were just flaring, trying to control the outcome of every moment and make sense of what made no sense. And when I started looking inward and doing the work, I realized, you know, the moment I let go of that control, I was able to be present and enjoy my life again. And wanting to explore that feeling, I thought, what better way than an otherworldly alien because everything felt so alien. And um, I then took that concept to writer Alicia Keetry, someone I've worked with for years. We actually met in film school back in Chicago, waiting tables together at a restaurant called Jake Melnick's. And I pitched her the concept and it resonated with her. She's a writer on American Dad, but she wrote this spec script years ago called Young Blood, which I loved, which was deep humanity and huge absurdity. And she really melded those two things together. And this concept that I had, I knew that she was the perfect person for it. So we started working on it. And then I just so happened to be catching up with my buddy, Kyle Newichek, who's a mentor and a friend and I pitched him the concept and he said, I want to produce that and I want to make that. And then we were off to the races. Wonderful, wonderful. And you have two amazing uh, lead actresses in this too. And they also executive produced. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about both of them. Go ahead. Yeah, I felt like I got to make this movie with cheat codes because I was surrounded with such talented people. Jillian is an incredible actress and a writer and a director. Natalie is an incredible actress and a writer and director. And they're executive producers and we were really a five-headed monster between me, Alicia, Kyle, Natalie, and Jillian, we all tackled this project from every angle together Mm -hmm. um, through development of the script and sharing notes and ideas with Alicia to on day of production through improv and rewrites. Um, We were all working together in a literal bubble because we shot this in the quarantine uh, in the height of the pandemic in December of 2020. So we were living together in that house filming this movie and everyone really put all of it on screen. Natalie and Jillian, um, their performances are incredible. I'm so lucky to have them starring in this film. Jillian brought a vulnerability and a groundedness to this character and this experience that I think balances the tone of this film. It makes the absurdity element 
development work. Um, and then Natalie really took seriously thinking about what it would be like to be this ultimate foreigner, you know, in, in every sense of the way and be thrown into this new situation and um, also come in with the preconceived notion that you can't experience emotions and watch this creature's art as she starts to pick up on physical cues from Jillian, but then also emotional and then experience her own. So yeah, they they were incredible to work with. And let's say it's Jillian Bell and Natalie Morales. <laughs> so people know who Jillian, <laughs> Jillian Bell and Natalie Morales. Jillian Bell, I've wanted to work for for years. I've tried to cast her in things. The timing never worked out. And we all wanted to work with Natalie. And it was very kismet. When we approached Kyle and I started talking because I saw he directed a commercial in the pandemic and I was about to direct one. So I wanted to ask him what that experience was like. And as we were talking, he's like, what else are you working on? And I said, oh, my friend and I, Alicia Keecher, writing on this thing. And we are actually want Jillian Belfer. And he's Obviously, they've worked together for years on Workaholics. And he's like, well, I think she would actually dig this. And then she wanted to come on board. And we said, who do you want to work with? And she's like, I've been wanting to work with Natalie Morales. And Keetri was like, I, Alicia, the writer, was like, I've been wanting to work with Natalie. And then I've also, we all, it, it was just very uh, kismet the way this all came together. Isn't it beautiful when that happens that way? I feel so lucky. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's wonderful. It's just meant to be then, mm-hmm. you know, and they are. They're absolutely wonderful. Um, Natalie really uh, does a lot of physical um, humor in this, which I, I loved. Uh, go ahead and talk about that a little bit. She, she, um, it from the get go was like, I love physical humor. I love being physical. Um, so we wrote some stuff in there, but, you know, even from some of her early scenes, like when they're, she first starts testing uh, Vanessa and she's like climbing up the bed and whatnot. We then on the day started improvising and coming up with more physicality for her to experiment with. And she also was just improving great things on on the day. It's, She's so funny. She is so funny. I mean, the, let's talk about the oil. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Various forms of the oil. Oh, I wow. mean, there's this, you know, we were thinking of what lubricates your skin and protects you from the sun and oils. And we also thought of oil and water, the difference of these two people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a small idea that the more we started talking about it and exploring it, we're like, there could be so much more meaning behind this thing. Maybe subconsciously, when we we're like, oh, what protects your skin? What can shield you from something? Um, and then also just thinking of the juxtaposition of these two characters. Yeah, but it's again, it's really funny. I had a very dear friend of mine who unfortunately passed away rather young in 20, 2011, and quite a long time ago. But she used to always say that she was abducted by aliens. You know, she lived in Tucson, Arizona. I mean, she, there was a whole society of people who have felt they had been adu- abducted um, by aliens. So when mm-hmm. I watched this, I was thinking, oh, I wish Paula would come back. <laughs> oh, this oh my, alien. I mean, that breaks my heart. And also, like, yes, that's we all brought from our own experiences of loss and people we've lost when thinking about this, of what would it be like to have this opportunity? What would you do? How would you, how would you go through it and experience it? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question. If you had the opportunity to be able to talk to one of your dear loved ones who's passed on for 48 hours, how would you respond? How would you respond to that happening even? And, you know, unexpectedly, but also what would you say and what would you do? It's, it's a very interesting question that you pose in this film, you know, for sure. So, I mean, I, I do want to get into the last, pretty much the last scene, the the inscription over the fireplace. But um, yeah. let's talk about that. 
and how that really has so much to do with what this film's about. Because there's a lot of messages in this film, and it's fun, Mm -hmm. it's entertaining, but it also has multiple messages for everyone. And that, that I love movies like that that you think about and you go, yeah, that's you know, that had everything in it. That's what we were hoping. We were hoping this movie could be cathartic for people. Everyone's experienced loss in some way, shape, or form. And we're hoping that people can watch this and relate to those feelings, those reactive feelings from Vanessa's character, from Jillian's character, you know, and then also relate to Natalie's character experiencing new emotions for the first time. And ultimately that the goal is to be present. It's so much easier said than done. You know, I, I feel like I need to practice what I'm preaching in this film and I really work towards it. But being present in the moment and being aware and feel your emotions rather than try to control and guide them. And that's really the ultimate message is hoping that we can all find ways to be more present, be in the moment and be, even if that means you're sad, it's okay to be sad. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be excited. It's okay to be depressed and defeated, but to be with and present with those feelings rather than trying to control them and ultimately not experiencing anything. I talk about that all the time. I just said to my partner, we're not forever. He looked at me and I said, nothing is forever. Nothing is forever. And so we just have to enjoy each moment and be present to one another and just enjoy what we have. And and I think when we begin to live our lives that way, it's much richer and much more enjoyable. And I think as we get older, we see that even more so. In the, and when we're young, we're in a hurry. We want to get things done. And, you know, we're thinking about the future. I always hated the question when I would go for a job interview, where do you want to be in five years? I don't know where I want to be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's five mm-hmm. years from now. And yeah, then, it's... Go ahead. Oh, no, it's just, yeah. Anytime I... If anything I thought in my career personally that I thought was going to happen never ended up happening and the much better thing ended up happening. I thought my first movie was going to be this bizarre big action comedy and then the pandemic happened and that movie got killed and then this beautiful thing was birthed out of it and I never in a million years would have predicted that that would have happened from that experience and I'm so glad that it that it did. And it just again by taking something that was, you know, for many people very 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 difficult was the pandemic and taking that and and kind Coming up with something that was really rich uh, from 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 that, you know, I think so many people. Um, I embraced the pandemic. I don't know. I've talked to other people who who did also. You know, was what else were we going to do with it? But then other people, how difficult it was for them in so many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And I think anybody with children, in particular, it was extremely difficult to go through the pandemic. But uh, so many good things did come out of it. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. obviously talking to many filmmakers who created their films during the pandemic they're coming out now you know and that's mm-hmm. that that there was all this creativity still going on behind the scenes in what was a difficult situation to film I mean, definitely yeah. yeah i mean it forced me to look at my own anxieties and stress of the world of the unpredictability of covid friends losing friends all of these things that i just didn't know how to cope and by forcing myself to cope with them this idea was birthed from it so It's still bizarre to think back in 2020 or even making this movie. I was looking at, I just had to send out some behind the scenes photos and it looks like this, like a scene out of ET. Like we're all in face masks, goggles and face shields. Um, It's just, yeah. It was like something out of a movie. Yeah, exactly. And for many of us, when we talk about, you know, uh, 
pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, and after mm-hmm. pandemic, and everybody goes, we lost a couple years. It's just, it, you know, and everybody has that same experience. It's not just one of us going through it. Everybody I talk mm-hmm. to is, you know, feeling, oh, yeah, I forgot. We lost a couple years there. You know, it's totally different in how we relate. Uh, and if there's anything that would teach us how to be in the moment, it would be going through, an, you know, a global pandemic, I would think, you know, that we would all... Yeah, to appreciate how fragile life can be, how the unpredictability of how your or life can change or also be taken away from you in the literal mortal sense, but also just the things you had planned, um, right. which is true every day for the history of time. You could step outside and some, you get hit by a bus, but this was in a... a a global uh, experience where everyone was experiencing this lack of control and this ultimate um, reckoning with that. Yeah. We, in the blink of an eye, your whole world can change. And you thought your whole year, your whole next five years, your whole next, whatever was supposed to be this. And one flap of a butterfly's wing or one Mm -hmm. bat can change all of that. Exactly. Exactly. Beautifully said. Uh, So let's talk about the, the motto that's over the, um, fireplace mm-hmm. at the end towards the end of the film that was something uh alicia came up with the writer mm-hmm. um we wanted that to be just this you know you see that 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 uh that poster throughout the film and it's she's you know at the beginning she's adjusting it because it's crooked mm-hmm. and she's a control freak um vanessa's character and we wanted it to be this thing that she was obsessive over but not even really t- taking in again it's like she's trying to control it and she's not really present because of that and then ironically the alien is the one who absorbs that information and shares it back to her and when she realizes if she would have just slowed down and read the thing in front of her she could have took in that same sentiment which was probably she needed to hear the moment she walked into this house which was a you know geographical manifestation or or representation of what life should have been. She was supposed to be at this big, beautiful house with her friends and family celebrating this thing. Now she's actually mourning her friend. So many funny scenes in that about, uh, let's talk a little bit about all of those wonderful characters that show up at her door and, uh, Mm -hmm. and about that celebration. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. that a little bit. Um, Sandra played by Karen Marayuma was incredible. She actually, uh, was Jillian's groundlings teacher back in the day. And Jillian recommended her for Sandra Keetri wrote this hysteric Alicia. I I've known Alicia Keetri for almost 20 years. So I call her Keetri and I'm sorry. It's Alicia <laughs> Keetri, the writer. Um, she wrote this hilarious scene about, I legally have to have a party and Jillian thought of Karen and she came out and just brought it. She was so, so funny. Again, another scene grappling with trying to control something that you have no control over. And then, um, the character DJ Twisted Bristle, Kyle works with RV Guillen on what we do in the shadows. What an absolute delight and treat to have him in the film. He's just like a, a shot in the arm of comedy in such a somber moment. So funny. Um, he brought it. He brought that jacket. That was his jacket. Oh, you're um, kidding. The day. We had a costume <laughs> for him. He goes, I actually have this jacket. And we were like, yeah, and let's use it. Um, that was a delight. And then Kyle, um, the townie. You know, not only is he producing and wearing multiple hats, he's also acting in it. And, um, you know, he's he's sort of this representation of there's more than meets the eye. Like you think, you know, you you're judging this guy from the cigarette smoking, El Camino driving, heavy metal listening dude. And then um, 
once you start to talk to someone, especially for a character like Vanessa, there's all this wisdom to be bestowed upon her. Yeah, and you don't real. I mean, in the beginning, obviously, you're not you don't realize that that character is going to be the person mm-hmm. with a lot of wisdom too. Exactly, in part, you know, and that makes it actually very interesting as as the film progresses for sure. So you and feel- then you have Blake Anderson who plays the boyfriend, who's just like the supportive, whatever you need, I'm here for it. But you know, Vanessa at the same time won't let any help in because she is so convinced she's got this. She's not going to break. I'm going to be fine. It's great. And and so let's talk about the chemistry between Jillian and uh, Natalie Morales. Uh, they both wanted to work together, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So let's talk mm-hmm. about that chemistry that they, uh, was it instantaneous? Did they have to go through an audition process? Uh, let's talk. No about audition that. process. I was beyond thrilled to have either of them involved with the mm-hmm. film. Um, but it started with these early Zoom conversations leading up to production. And then Natalie actually went away to go direct her movie, Plan B. Um, so we had these early conversations in like September, and then she went away, and then we would have conversations over text and email, and then Jillian and I would continue to talk, and then Natalie came off that production. We got back on Zoom. So we did a lot of heavy Zoom pre-production the chemistry was there as them as friends, but we also had this great opportunity with them as executive producers where they were involved in the development of the script. So they were really talking about those nuances of their character's relationship. We actually like mapped it out. Um, you know, we drew a map of like what their relationship looked like of when they were really close, when they were far apart, but where Vanessa's uh, emotions were, where Natalie uh, or Jennifer's were. So we 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 approached it very academically, and then on the day, we discovered all these amazing things we could never have planned for, which is, I mean, the theme of the movie, and then it really happened in real life. And then Alicia was on set the entire time, so we would all get together at lunch, at breakfast, at dinner, and tweak scenes based upon what we learned with their chemistry. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, it is. It's great chemistry for sure. Uh, watching this, and as I said, it's just a, a just a fun, fun movie. Uh, other than filming during the pandemic, what was the most difficult part of shooting this film? I think it was just you know we did it in ten days at the height of the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, so um, those two things right there are enough to bring challenges. There's also like we didn't realize Temecula is very windy. Um, I didn't know Temecula. None of us did. Cause when we, we would scout, like I was saying prior to the interview, you know, I'm in, I'm in Sherman Oaks. We would drive out for a day, photo board, take videos and then drive back. Once we started spending the night there, these intense winds would come in and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, the third day we woke up and everything looked thrashed outside and the power was, we had no power because of these t- intense Temecula winds. So there were some, uh, you know, nature things going on. Um, But we were really prepared for this movie because we knew we had 10 days. We knew we had one location. We knew what we knew about the pandemic as far as, you know, we're getting tested constantly. There's all these restrictions that we had to and wanted to abide by to be safe. Um, But I brought a lot from my years of music videos and my crew's years of music videos to this, where often we were challenged with, you know, telling a story in a day. You know, all my music videos were essentially short films dressed as music videos. So sort of the restraints of that and the restrictions of that 
just apply to this in a much, much bigger sense. And then I was so lucky to have the guidance and mentorship of Kyle as a producer who's made hundreds of hours of TV and multiple feature films and also Natalie and Jillian, whereas just like combining all these forces helped power through, you know, all the difficulties of making a movie in 10 days in the height of the pandemic. It's amazing. I, I mean, I've heard a lot of short um uh, filming, <laughs> you know, schedules, but I think that might be the shortest that I've heard. Uh, yeah. So, yeah that I, I, I wonder what I, I should Google. What's the shortest mm-hmm. filming uh, production wise that's, that's ever gone down. Maybe we could like make a Guinness world record out of this or something. Yeah, p- perhaps. I mean, cause I have, you know, there's been, you know, 14 days, you know, you hear that quite often uh, and certainly with independent films, but I mm-hmm. think 10 might be the shortest I have heard. So that's, I think we'll do 10 and a quarter. Cause we filmed Blake's portion a year after in my oh. apartment okay, uh, in the other room on my cell phone. <laughs> That's the boyfriend. That is the boyfriend. So that's mm-hmm. so he came in later. Uh, yeah. In this. Mm-hmm. How did you find that house? I was I kept when I was watching it. I was like, "Where is this? Where are they filming this?" I, and so, it's an amazing house. Yeah, my fiance. She doesn't work there anymore, but she worked at a company called Avanste, which is like luxury rental homes. Okay. So when I was writing this, uh, I wanted it to be at a luxury rental home, you know, uh, because. Uh, Again, thinking of like what it represented for the theme of the film, but also thinking of how to make a movie in a pandemic in 10 days production wise. I was really inspired by the movie, The One I Love, starring Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's a phenomenal film. Yeah. Um, They used every inch of that house. And I thought, you know, that's a great way to make a movie. Um, And hundreds, you know, a, a bunch of other films have done that. But that one really resonated with me. So I went to my fiance and I was like, I need like a beautiful luxury home. I don't want to do Palm Springs. I don't want to do the desert. I want to do somewhere different. And she said, you should check out some of our homes in Temecula. So I drove out to Temecula and I looked at all these beautiful homes and this one was just perfect. And so they like, did you have to rent it? Is that what? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We basically rented three homes from them. Um, the, The house we filmed at where I slept in and a lot of the crew did And then we rented two other homes, which were all within like a quarter mile where the cast and the crew would stay, the additional crew. I guess you probably were a little lucky then because during the pandemic, a lot of people were probably not traveling very well. A lot of people weren't traveling very much. So the availability of three homes in this kind of environment was probably uh, fortunate for you. Well, you know, the the thing actually is that company did so well because people did want to take a month away from living in the Valley and go to Santa Barbara, uh-huh. Temecula, this, that. So we actually had to like get on it and make sure it was available. And like, um, but we were very lucky to get that location because it's such a beautiful home. I really want to go back and just stay there now. Um, <laughs> yes. And, Teme- and Temecula is beautiful. Like, you know, the sunsets over there were unreal. Nice added bonus to that, too. Mm-hmm. What are you working uh, working on next, Brandon? Um, there's a couple features I'm trying to get off the ground and then pitching some TV shows, like as of tomorrow. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, things that, some things I've been working on for years, some things that have come because of this film. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping we'll be talking again like a year from now about one of them. Great. Great, great. I definitely want to have you back on and talk about them. Uh, where yeah. can people see I'm Totally Fine? 
You can see I'm totally fine in select theaters on November 4th. Um, we're going to be announcing theaters, I believe, on Saturday. So if you're in one of those cities and you can see it in the theater, please do that. Otherwise, it'll be on-demand digital on November 4th. So you can rent it on iTunes or Amazon. Um, myself and the cast will be posting and promoting it relentlessly for the next two weeks. So if you don't, uh, yeah, you can find it. You can just Google. I'm totally fine. Apple or Amazon, you'll find it. Great. Thank you. I, it's a fun movie. I, everybody seek it out. It, you'll, it's, it's just very entertaining. And, and it's also thought provoking. And I did cry a little bit. So I have to tell you that I, I did have a few tears watching it. So uh, it's a wonderful film. And I wish you much success with it, Brandon. And thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube. Subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampryshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.